Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. My name is Simon Miller. This is a pro wrestling show and thank you very much for joining me. And if you are a regular listener, you're like, well, Simon, you've done another episode. I'm like, yeah, damn right I have. But there is something major we have to talk about. And so that's what we do on this show. It's literally a podcast where we talk. So if you hadn't figured that out now that you know, you know. And also, I need feedback on this because I have a whole, a whole idea in my head about wrestling and what works and what doesn't work. You would have seen from the title, this podcast contains massive spoilers. Uh, Once next Wednesday has gone past, I will change the title. But for now, I am hiding it away. Hopefully, if you know, you know, you'll be inclined to click. And if you're not, it doesn't matter. I'd rather you didn't listen than I ruined something for you. But before we get there, I have gone out to my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Simon316, which you can sign up for right now and come on the podcast, should you so wish. I'd love to talk to you. And it's my man, John, who's making his first appearance on the show. John, how you doing? Simon, I'm doing great, man. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much. We talked about it beforehand, but happy 4th of July over the next 24 hours. No, it's good. I mean, it's always weird, those kind of things, because it won't even be referenced here in the UK. (laughs) Nobody (laughs) will even say it. But obviously in America, an absolutely absolutely massive deal. Now, look, people that have got this far, I've I've said spoiler, so by now you should have tuned out if you haven't already. We are going to talk about the leak for NXT next week, part two of the Great American Bash. But before we get there, man, as I say to everyone, Give me your headlines when it comes to professional wrestling. Why do you love it? How did you fall in love with it? What's your, you know, what, what's your take? Because let's face it, less people now are watching wrestling than ever. Yeah. But guys like you and I, we're just holding on for dear life. Yeah, man. So I remember like a lot of us, I became a fan when I was a kid. I vividly remember staying at a friend's house and walking into his brother's room and they were watching Nitro. I don't remember the match, but I remember the set for Nitro. And my very next wrestling memory is watching Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit. And it's wow, just man. it just stuck with me. Like all of us, you know, I fell out of it when I was a teenager. Like, oh, that's fake. I don't like that fake crap. Uh, but I did a lot of theater in high school. And my theater director was a big wrestling fan. And I asked him, you know, why do you why do you like this? And he explained to me uh, the story element of it. Like, it's, it's, it's athletic theater. It's Broadway with body slams, you know, the old cliche. And he lent me some tapes. I fell back in love with it. It's been about 12 years ago now, and I've not looked back. So I'm, I'm a fan forever. That's cool, man. And it's cool it kind of came from a, a position of authority almost, you know, like a teacher or someone you look up to. Because that rarely happens in wrestling. Usually those kind of people sort of laugh at it and think it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's funny because, I mean, I listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts, and one of them is Jim Cornette's. And I hear guys like him often talk about how wrestling not being completely realistic is what makes people not fans anymore. But for me, it was the opposite. It was finding out that the entire thing is a work and seeing wrestling where they wouldn't own that. Like, that's what turned me off. So when my teacher explained to me the worked elements, the theater elements, that made me appreciate it because I didn't feel like I was being lied to. I felt like I was in on the game and that makes it fun, you know? Yeah, no, it does. It's kind of like you're behind the magic curtain, which is a really which is a really cool place to be. Now, I totally agree with that, man. I think I find Jim Cornette an, an interesting character, but, uh, <laughs> you know, his, his opinions are a bit too extreme for me. Sure. <laughs> but, Same. No, but, I agree. You know, 
you know, but it's all good. I, I'm much more of the camp, like you say. The uh, the beauty of pro wrestling to me is that we can kind of do whatever we want as long as everybody is uh, is happy with that. And I, I love, you know, that's why you have, again, I always joke about Repo Man, but the reason I, I love Repo Man so much is because what it's so, so dumb. But in that dumbness becomes this incredible creative character that you couldn't pull off anywhere else. It would have been a laughing stock. And yes, admittedly, it was still a bit of a laughing stock in wrestling, but sure. that's neither that's neither here nor there. Um, right, so there's plenty of us to talk about, but we'll start here. Again, one last spoiler warning. I didn't want it ruined for me. I know John didn't want it ruined for him either, no. but this is the issue when we do dip our toe into the internet wrestling community, as it's called, we're always walking a tightrope. So I'm literally waffling now, so you can turn off if you do not want this spoiled. No one's getting mad at me after I've given you plenty of time to turn off. But there's so much I want to talk about here. My word, it's just so many layers we can peel back. Headline. If... Actually, let me tell you the story, actually. Let's go that way. So after WWE had filmed Great American Bash Part 1, they filmed Great American Bash Part 2 because obviously there's a global pandemic going on and just getting content in the can is king right now. And they filmed the Adam Cole versus Keith Lee winner-takes-all match. And there was a developmental wrestler in the crowd who for some reason thought it'd be a great idea to take a picture of the ending of that match, so funny, and upload it to Instagram. Now, I'm sorry, John, John and I have just had a conversation about pro wrestling. And we are not, as far as I know with John, he hasn't mentioned it, we are not affiliated with World Wrestling Entertainment. But even we know that the Keith Lee-Adam Cole match has been advertised for next week. So neither of us, neither of us would feel the need to put that on social media. How someone that works for the company doesn't know this, I can't answer that question. Now, we'll start, we'll start with the, the, the kayfabe portion of it. Amazingly, and I, I did backflips when I saw this, I, Keith Lee won. I mean, Keith Lee won. So Keith Lee right now, well, soon, is going to be not only the NXT champion, but he's going to be the North American champion. Now, I think this is awesome. Every time I brought up Keith Lee in the past, I've mentioned how I'd missed the boat on him and I saw him wrestling at a UK independent show and was won over within about two milliseconds because the guy is just so talented. And I actually thought they could have pulled the trigger on him earlier. But I tell you what, John, man, not in a million years did I think this was going to happen. I don't know whether it was part of the plan. I don't know whether it's reaction to everything that's been happening over the last... Uh, the last uh, months and weeks or whatever when it comes to ratings. But do give me your initial reaction and then we're going to get into the nitty gritty about spoilers and everything like that. If you had asked me three weeks ago who I thought was finally going to take the strap off of Adam Cole, I would have bet the farm, if I had a farm, I would have bet my imaginary farm that Velveteen <laughs> Dream, that the Dream was going to take it from Cole. And I even had that feeling when I was watching their In Your House match. I was so certain. So when that didn't happen... I didn't really know who was going to take it. Uh, maybe Carry and Cross. I didn't know. Uh, I knew that Keith Lee was fantastic, but I didn't. I didn't think they were building anything with him as far as uh, like a main world title push, at least not consistently. So when I read that spoiler on the internet, it's kind of like you. Like my first reaction is, "Oh my gosh, that's awesome! This is fantastic." But my second thought was, "Huh, I didn't see that coming." But it's a good didn't see that coming, you know? Like yeah. Kind of like when CM Punk cashed in his money in the bank for the first time. Like, I remember eating at a pizzeria and just getting on my phone. Like, CM Punk cashed in on edge. I'm like, what? <laughs> he did what? <laughs> That's great, man. But it's true. Though. It's, it, for me, it was like Daniel Bryan. Did, did, did Daniel Bryan pinned... Was it Mark Henry? Did he beat Mark Henry or did not? I can't even remember. When, when Daniel Bryan won his first World Heavyweight Championship, I was like, no, he didn't. Because <laughs> it was just yeah. it was just so nuts. But the thing with Keith Lee is that I actually think 
you know, CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, I would argue, was kind of done to maybe trigger a conversation and get people talking. Where I, I act, well, I'm, I'm get fans like us excited. Exactly, but I think Keith Lee is different because I think Keith Lee uh, is is supported by the NXT audience. Obviously, Triple H is behind him, but the rumor was, and you know, there's evidence to suggest this too. Vince McMahon likes him as well. Which is which is doubly cool. I want to get into this as well, but I'll throw it in here and we'll double back round to it. You know, it's a, an important thing to be liked by Vince McMahon because the uh, news coming out of the Wrestling Observer newsletter today is that the reason Shayna Baszler vanished from television is because he doesn't like Shayna Baszler. But again, let's do this in let's do this in in snippets. Now, talking about the spoiler itself, it's dumb, stupid. I can't believe the guy did it. I, I don't want to give him too much crap because I bet right now nobody is beating himself up more than that guy. No. Can you imagine? It's like when you delete all your company accounts or something, you'd be like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> But here's my worry, right? WWE's done this before when things get out. Do you think they will reshoot the whole thing and not have Keith Lee win? Because, I mean, I'm not going to go through all the examples because we'll be here all day. And there was a time sort of in the late 2010s, or, you know, 2008 to 2012, when all this stuff would get out and they would change. Even sensical storylines would become these mad flights of fancy just because, oh, no, the fans have found out. And my thing with that is, is that we are, I mean, maybe not anymore, but genuinely speaking we are the niche there'll be so much just because twitter has gone mad about it and instagram has gone mad about it in forums mm. doesn't mean that the majority of people that are going to sit down and watch nxt have any idea do you know what i mean like usually it's uh it, it, it is only it's a select or the, or the vocal few that find out about it because the thing with me now is it's kind of like the whole wcw tony shivani saying oh if you put on raw right now you're gonna see mankind winning the championship I want to see Keith Lee's crowning moment to the point that, I mean, I don't have to watch them simultaneously, but if I did have to switch between AEW and NXT, I would watch NXT do that because even though I know I'm so happy for the guy, I think that I get a massive kick out of it. Do you think they'll change it, basically? Do you think they're going to reshoot it and have Adam Cole win it? So I'm inclined to think they're not going to do anything for the reasons you laid out. So the, the Mick Foley... Tony Schiavone episode is a fantastic example here because look, I watched Fighter Fest live and I watched the Great American Bash last night, and it's because comparing card to card, uh, Fighter Fest looked more interesting to me, and yeah, I had I had every every intention of watching Fighter Fest night two live next week, and then Great American Bash the day after. Like I, I was gonna watch the Cole and Keith Lee match; it looked cool, but come on, Cole's been champion for over a year. I had no reason to think that Keith Lee was gonna be the one to take him out, so I'll watch it later. But now I know. Now I know that Keith Lee's gonna win. So now this makes me want to watch that live as opposed to AEW live. And I would mm. imagine that if WWE is in any sense self-aware, which is uh, a mighty supposition. I'm aware. <laughs> I would imagine that if they know that it's the smart fans who are finding out about that spoiler, it is also the smart fans who are going to be dying to see Keith Lee hit that pounce on Adam Cole. Yeah, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. So let's say you do do this, and then Adam Cole wins. You're going to be disappointed, now, right? You're I'll be mad. Be upset. Oh, I'd be, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be so upset. Like, it's yeah, another Adam Cole match. He, he always wins these <laughs> matches. Okay, I've seen this already. You, you bait and switch. And that's my worry. It genuinely is a concern of mine. And I, I just think that, 
I see this criticism with AEW all the time. In fact, a lot of, well, not a lot, a few people tweeted me about Fighter Fest. They said, enjoyed the show, but was a little bit too obvious for me. Do you know what I mean? Like they were able to call all the results. I'm like, no, nah, it's not about, look, your opinion is, is obviously I respect it. But for me, it's about telling the obvious story, yep. but telling it in a really good way. So I don't care that I know Keith Lee is going to win. Even if it was someone like, I don't know, Dexter Loomis. I don't mind Dexter Loomis, but I'm not as high on him as I was on, as I am on Keith Lee. No, it doesn't really kind of work because he, you know, he needs more investment. But let's say Karrion Cross is a better one. Let's say that Karrion, it leaked that Karrion Cross was going to win the championship. Even then, as long as the story made sense, I'm not as excited about that as I am about Keith Lee, but don't go and change it just because stuff gets out there. You yeah. know, you have, ma you have massive movies that sometimes have their plots leak, but you don't have producers and executives and directors, you know, freaking out saying, well, how do we change this? You should have enough faith in your narrative telling abilities to assume that what you're doing is the right thing. And if a few people know, they know. But I genuinely have this worry that WWE gets so precious, which is what they do. And I understand it to a certain extent that they'll get so precious and they'll take this away from Keith Lee. And I think that will suck really badly. See, my thing is this. Nobody walked into uh, Avengers Endgame thinking, I wonder if Thanos still wins in the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that didn't happen. I mean, I, I found out that... Uh, Kylo Ren killed Han Solo prior to seeing the movie. And yeah, that made me angry. But did that make me not want to watch? No, that made me want to see how it happened. Yeah. I know that the Avengers are going to win in the end, but I want to see how they win in the end. So when I hear these spoilers come out, there's a sense in which, yeah, I'm upset because I want to get drawn into the action. I want to get sucked in. I want to be surprised by it. But me knowing ahead of time that Keith Lee's going to win... All that does for me now is make me go, okay, so how does he do it? Because Cole has been winning and winning and winning, and he loses here somehow. So I want to see how that happens. I want to be taken on that ride. So mm. obvious stories, like you were saying, a story being obvious does not bother me in the least if it's told really well. Like you can call more than half the matches you see on any given card as far as who's going to win. But you don't care because if it's good, it's good. That's why we rewatch pay per views. Like I was rewatching Bailey and Sasha Banks last night from NXT Takeover. Uh, it's the one from August where Bailey won the championship. I knew yeah. Bailey. I knew Bailey won, but the show was good. The match was good. The story was good. And if it's good and they're good, I don't care. Like take me. No, is that, that's it, right? Let's still get me. Again, you've hit the nail on the head. Like watching a wrestling match second time around is never going to be as good. No. But the really, really impressive ones actually make you forget. It's like when you watch a movie that you like and you know that something awful is about to happen. Secretly, deep down, you're like, well, I hope this time it doesn't happen. Like, I hope somehow this time it magically changes. But of course, <laughs> you know, it, it never goes that way. And wrestling can do, the, can do the same thing. But yeah, as soon as I saw all those pictures, especially today, you know, it blew up massively uh, around the place. I was like, oh, guys, don't, don't fall into that same trap. Key to me, Keith Lee, here's what I would do. Keith Lee wins both belts. Put Adam, move Adam Cole. What else can he possibly do in NXT? I mean, I worry about him a little bit on the main roster because, again, he's not the biggest dude. Um, and, and that's a perfect segue back into Shayna Baszler. Like... I, I don't get it. I mean, it's as simple as that. Vince McMahon doesn't see the worth in her, I guess, because he's not an MMA guy uh, without wanting to be too stereotypical. If you go through the timeline, I think Vince McMahon just likes attractive blonde women. <laughs> you know, I, I don't like saying it because I feel bad, but there has to be something in that because to me, Shayna Baszler has everything I want 
from a, not even a female wrestler. I don't like breaking it down that much. From a wrestler. She's a badass. I believe in her. She's legitimate. Why he can't look at what he did with Brock Lesnar and just apply that to Shayna Baszler, I don't know. That's not a bad thing. Like the women's division could do something like that. And to change your mind, that's why he changed these, because all these rumors were out at the time again, that she was going to win money in the bank. She was going to win at WrestleMania. And yeah, the changes came because Vincent Mann just thought, no, I don't want to do that. No problem with him going with Oscar instead, because I think she's great. But to you can't drop, go on with Oscar. No, but to drop Shayna Baszler just like out of nowhere, I find it crazy. And this was all before Paul Heyman got removed too. This isn't like, you know, Vince McMahon swung back in. This was, like I say, a good weeks before Heyman got the boot too. He decided that he wanted to take Shayna Baszler off TV and have a rethink, which is why I worry about Adam Cole. But what do you think about both of them, man? Do they go to the main roster? Do they, do they do all right? Or is it just a bad idea? Well, for one, it's a bad, it's a bad idea. <laughs> but... Honestly, I, I get so worried when I see NXT guys do really, really well and they do just about everything they can do in NXT because then, yeah, like you said, what else is there to do but go to the main roster? But time and time and time again, there's a pattern in place. The main roster, quote unquote, is where NXT stars go to die. What happened to Ade Watame? <laughs> what happened to Bobby Roode? What happened to Shinsuke Nakamura? To a lesser extent, what happened to Kevin Owens? What happened to Samoa Joe? Uh, Finn Balor, he's, he's still, he, he got a little bit of success in the main roster, but now he's back in NXT. So what does that tell you? Every time somebody that we love, who is a big, unstoppable, badass star goes from NXT to the main roster, it's a good eight to two chance that they are going to become some variety of mid card talent. Or if they do push them and do make them stars, there's this verifiable main roster WWE shine that gets put on them. It's weird. Like, you remember watching NXT back in 2015, seeing Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, Nakamura, and you watch those guys on the main roster now, and it's hard to shake this perception of, oh, they're just, you know, uh, regular main roster WWE guys. Like, well, wait, hold on. That's Nakamura. That's Samoa Joe. What happened? That's just what happens to those guys when they move up there. So... I want to see Adam Cole do well. I want to see him be a star, but I see him getting to the main roster. I see him maybe having a confrontation with with Braun Strowman or with uh, Drew McIntyre. And then after that, I see him getting flung into those, we had a backstage fight and now we have a match later tonight. Or I'm going to randomly tag with another heel because that's what we do every bleeping week on tv like it's i don't see anything going anywhere because i don't see them ever doing anything with nxt stars and it bums me out no of course it would man because again you get it to me the idea was always to get you to invest in these characters on nxt then you put them on the main roster and you've already got this story built up you've got this character built up but they never they never really do that at all and i can't figure out what well, well of course because vince mcmahon until recently i don't think really cared about nxt so it was like starting afresh hence why you get someone like Shayna baszler that can be an absolute warrior down there but you put her on raw and she was she started off well but obviously now who knows the hell's what's going to happen? I can't. I can't figure it out. The thing Actually, with me let, me, that... let me let me let me pick on that just a second. The way they did Shayna Baszler initially. So when they had Survivor Series between the three brands, those confrontations between Shayna Baszler and Becky Lynch and Bailey, those were so good. They made Shayna look like the baddest woman on the planet. Or when she debuted on the main roster and she took a big bite out of the neck yeah. of Becky Lynch. 
I believed that. I watched that like, wow, she is going to kill people. I am so here for this. They gave her the best possible introduction, and then they just dropped her like a hot sack of shit. <laughs> I mean, can they I, did. Can I, can I curse on this thing? Yeah, you can curse. You can curse. Okay. It's all good. It's all good. No, no one cares. Um, but no, they <laughs> did. And I and I because I, I know the biting angle kind of caused some people to raise an eyebrow. I liked it. Oh, but I'm gonna it. have to I'm gonna have to assume that was mostly Paul Heyman, right? And then as yeah. Vince oh, McMahon yeah. slowly, slowly again soured on the whole deal, he, he moved her away. Oh, I don't know. In in terms of the the spoiler as well, what do you think happens? I can't remember the name of the developmental guy, and to be honest, it's probably best we don't say it. He's probably had enough hate today. Yeah. I will he did try and balance out by going, uh, we filmed two endings. Wait and see. Like, bro. <laughs> Just don't say anything, bro. You've you've don't come on now. Don't be an idiot. Why the hell would anybody do that? What do you think happens to him? I don't want anyone to lose their job. I'm not saying that, but what do you do with that guy? Because as again, it was reported on Wrestling Observer Live. People are livid with him, and of course, they're livid with him. Well, do I think that he will immediately get fired or ask for his release or anything else? No, uh, I don't necessarily think that. But I do think, in practice, in the long term, that's what happens because the kind of heat that you get from that, I would imagine, maybe it blows over after a certain amount of time. But before it does. <sighs> That's got to be a hot locker room. So mm. I, if you can take it, and if management is understanding enough to realize that sometimes people do dumb things without thinking, well, then maybe he'll be all right. But uh, all I can say is I'm glad I'm not him. I'm glad I'm oh, not him. Yeah. It's easy for me to pontificate on what will or won't happen to him. But if I'm in his spot, I'm terrified. <laughs> so would i be no one feels worse than him today i guarantee it he has woken up on the wrong side of bed oh yeah uh, you, you mentioned drew mcintyre a few minutes ago did you see everything with drew mcintyre and conor mcgregor what a sentence that is it is such a sentence that it was the first time i heard it no i saw nxt and dynamite this week i saw raw about a week ago but i didn't catch it this week so no i didn't now, it's all to do with social media. Now, I don't know if there's anything. I, I don't know if there's anything in this. It was just, it was so aggressive. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait a minute. I mean, it could just be Drew McIntyre being really smart, right? And sure. he sees an opportunity to jump on. Let's face it, Conor McGregor is a mainstream sports star. You know, even my mum knows. He doesn't know what he does, yeah. but she's heard the name. So yeah, basically, uh, Conor McGregor reposted on his Instagram stories a picture of him wearing both the UFC and WWE titles and insinuated that he was going to kick Vince McMahon's ass. It was then quote tweeted by the BT uh, the WWE on BT Sport Twitter account. And then Drew McIntyre just weighed in and he was like, you know, Vince McMahon would kick your ass. I'm paraphrasing, but Vince McMahon would kick your ass. I would kick your ass. You couldn't even beat up that old guy in a pub, which is a real situation <laughs> that happened when Conor McGregor <laughs> lost his mind and decided to beat up an old age pensioner that didn't want to drink some of his whiskey. Now that went to the court. Not court, but you know, the law was involved. This isn't sure. some ha ha he he. And then said, yeah, if you want to come into my world, I'll kick your ass too. And I am probably living in Simon's dreamland where I often live. But as soon as I saw it, I was like, if there is not at least a conversation going on with Conor McGregor, I know he hasn't retired from MMA and he's pretending to, but still, all it takes to get Conor McGregor is money. And a, a lot of money. But you have to wait for fans to come back into the arena. I get that. But everybody always tells me that wrestling is cyclical and that, you know, after a while, you go back to the past and you make the same ideas work again. Hence why Mike Tyson was in AEW recently. But if you can get Conor McGregor to sign up to your show and you can tie that back in when you're allowed to have fans back in venues, I promise that it's kind of weird because in the late 90s, what WWE needed was money. 
right? That's what they were lacking. They were slowly going on the upward trend, but they needed cash. And they took a financial gamble on Mike Tyson and it worked. Now they have money, but what they don't have is buzz. So they need to go out there and get people talking about them. And I promise you, if you do that with Drew and you do that with Conor McGregor, I think it would be massive. And I understand I'm pulling at straws. There's nothing to suggest this. But look, anyone that doesn't know what I'm going talking about, go and read Drew McIntyre's tweet on his Twitter account. If that's not a work, he is I mean, Conor McGregor is going to kill him. <laughs> because that's, it's not, you know, without permission, it's, it's kind of kicking below the belt. But then I kind of think, is it actually going to happen? I don't know. And I know that Conor... But the thing is, everyone goes, oh, Conor McGregor's too small. Well, if you say that, you don't understand how real fighting works. <laughs> like, Conor McGregor could kill Drew McIntyre if he wanted to. He just could. But what do you think the odds are, man? I get it's just one tweet, and I'm probably reading into it. But WWE needs something. This could be so, it. This ties perfectly into the beginning of our conversation where you had asked me, you know, what my story was with wrestling, why do I like it, etc. We're going to look at something like this where we're not entirely sure if it's a work or a shoot. And we can see good reasons for thinking that it's all a work or good reasons for thinking that it's all happening for real. But we don't know. We don't know for sure. Even if we have a hunch that the entire thing is a work, we don't know. And because we don't know and we're intrigued, we're going to watch. That is exciting. That is a very exciting place to be. I don't want to know if it's real or not real, at least right now. I want to watch and see where it goes. Let me believe that the entire thing is real, even if it's all completely a work from beginning to end. So, man, I'm hopeful. I'm really hopeful because, look, Conor McGregor, he's not a stupid guy. He's a cocky guy. He's got a big mouth, but he's not a dumb guy. And he understands <laughs> promotion. He understands publicity. He understands that if you do something like that, it's going to create a buzz. And if you've created that kind of a buzz, you want to deliver on that. So do I think that it's going to happen? I don't know. Who could say? That's, that's a whole lot of speculation. Do I think that they're talking? Even if it started as a shoot – I would bet anything that they're talking right now. They, they've got to both be seeing dollar signs and they have to know that we would all show up to our TVs and watch that from beginning to end. I, I totally agree. And I don't think it's that far-fetched. Like the way I look at it is when you did Mayweather and McGregor, obviously it did gangbuster numbers. And I understand that's because Mayweather is in there and Mayweather is on equal stature to Conor McGregor. So that's just two, you know, sure. megastars going together. And Drew McIntyre is not on that level. He would be no. the first to tell you that. But Stone, and Stone Cold Steve Austin was bigger than Drew McIntyre. But it was that Mike Tyson uh, clash that was able to sort of put Stone Cold over the top and get a mainstream eye on him. That's what it was. And then you used everything else that he had. I don't think, again, the, one of the things that always bugged me was in 2001, WWE was all like, we're not going to bring in Goldberg, Hogan, Nash, Sting, whoever, because we don't want, uh, you know, we, we don't want to break the wage structure. And ultimately that killed the invasion angle because we're wrestling nerds that's the guys we wanted to see come in it's not as it's not as exciting if uh if those guys don't and what could have been an 18th monk angle was over in six we've months. got mark fucking jindrak mark yeah. jindrak <laughs> exactly right exactly so it's just it's just nuts the whole whole thing was just nuts now you have the cash and I can't, you know, you already have a disparity between your stars. Brock Lesnar earns trillions. The next guy down doesn't earn that much, even though they're not working as hard. So it's not like you're going to have any extra discontent in the locker room. I think if you're, 
I mean, realistically, you may not even have fans back in the building till WrestleMania 37. If we're being completely honest, that could very well be a thing. I hope I'm wrong, but there's certainly evidence out there to suggest it. If you can somehow get Conor McGregor on that card and all of these things are coming together, it actually could be the thing that relights a fire under WWE. Now, that's hyperbole up the 2-9. I admit that. But that's how big a star I think Conor McGregor is. And I hope it goes somewhere. I do. I like Conor. Uh, not all the time. And I think some of the things he's done are unforgivable. But it, I don't have to know the guy, right? He's not my friend. Yeah. In terms of a, um, a sports star, he's entertaining. And that's all I need. So I say bring him in. So I would agree with you with one qualification. So... One of the things that made, at least in my opinion, what made Austin and Tyson work was it made Steve Austin bigger. It gave Steve Austin buzz. It made him a yes. star, which by extension gave WWE buzz, made WWE bigger, made the product better. That's where the focus needs to be. I, I've got this worry because for the last decade or so, WWE has been very careful to not let any character or any star be a bigger star than the brand. Like it's the brand WWE and then WWE has its cast of characters. It doesn't want anybody to stand out over and above it, at least not since John Cena and maybe to a degree Brock Lesnar. So I think it'll work for sure if they allow Drew McIntyre as Drew McIntyre to shine and to be a star and to look like a badass. I do not think it'll work at all if the headline is Conor McGregor's in WWE. Conor McGregor and WWE lock up. No, I don't care about that. Nobody cares about that. I don't want to hear about this, you know, crossover between Conor McGregor and WWE. I want to hear about Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre getting in Conor McGregor's face, which will, by extension, make WWE hotter and give it more buzz. But if you make them the star from the get-go, no one's going to care. I'm not going to care. Nah, dude, I'm totally with you. It's got to be a two-way street, which has been WWE's problem for ages. I think they've felt doubly burned by The Rock leaving and then Batista and Brock Lesnar. You know, that kind of... I did that in the wrong order, but that kind <laughs> of three-wave... Uh, it kind of just uh, soured Vince McMahon on, again, having that massive star. And like you say, put the brand first. So I hope they would do that. Whether they would do that with Drew McIntyre, I don't know. He doesn't kind of seem like I don't know though. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to sort of predict that kind of stuff. But sure. I, I'm fasc- I'm fascinated by it. In terms of people coming and going from the company, it seems like Kairi Sane has. Uh, well, it just seems like she's going back to Japan to be with her husband. They keep saying there's going to be some kind of angle. There's, there's a plan to have an angle that someone is going to beat her up so badly that the story on television will be that she has to retire uh, from WWE. But also sounds like she wants to retire in general and just uh, do do whatever. Uh, I'm okay with it. You know, it's a shame. I think she's great, but I was what I was. I did say this on the podcast the other day. My worry when I first heard this was WWE just didn't want to use her. Thankfully, it just sounds like she's made up her mind, and I can understand you not pushing someone that you know is out the door. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it, it, bro- it broke this morning. Look, uh, you know, I like Kyrie saying a lot, but I think. You know, ever since that they said they were going to have a, a pay-per-view with a pirate theme yeah. and they made Kyrie Sane give up her pirate theme, I think that kind of sums up their opinion or at least their their backing of one Kyrie Sane. I don't think they saw her like a lot of other people did. All right, so cards on the table. I love Kyrie Sane. I thought she was an amazing worker. She is an amazing oh, yeah. worker. I love watching her matches. But that said, when I saw her start tagging with Asuka and they became the Kabuki Warriors... It just made me uncomfortable because WWE has a long history of uh, putting together tag teams with 
their ethnicity or their race or their culture being their gimmick. So the Kabuki Warriors, uh, Harlem Heat, Street Profits, any number of things like that. So I see Asuka being this unstoppable badass in NXT, and then all of a sudden she's in a tag team with another person who is as amazing in the ring as she is, but they're walking to the ring and Michael Cole is shouting, the Kabuki Warriors, the Kabuki... No, that makes me (laughs) uncomfortable. You don't have to do that. So... I don't want to see Kyrie Sane go, but I am excited to see Asuka as Asuka and not as maybe one half of a team that should never have been presented the way they have been, if that makes any sense. No, no dude, no one is going to argue with it on that one, right? You'd have to be living on cloud 42. You know, WWE has always, always done that. And it was difficult in the 80s and 90s but for whatever reason people decided it was more acceptable then even though it was not and now it's even less acceptable and yet somehow i mean look going back to all the covid stuff wwe and professional wrestling in general somehow is able to fly beneath the radar mostly because the mainstream media couldn't give two hoots about professional wrestling but uh, you're right it is it's it's, it's, it's it, i don't care it's insulting and offensive to go oh we have two japanese ladies let's make them a tag team there's no need to do it apart from it being lazy booking and lazy creative. I think everybody can everybody can get behind that. Or Dawkins and Ford being called the Street Profits. Well, it's same thing, right? It's just an updated version of Crime Time. Now, don't get me wrong. I thought that uh, JTD and Shad Gaspard made that team excellent. Oh, and my so, goodness. They were I mean, great. so flipping entertaining. But it doesn't mean it wasn't problematic of course yeah. it was. and I, I know those two guys think the same because i've talked to them about it literally to their face and they've said look we were presented with an opportunity what we're going to do but then you start questioning i'm not going to get into it but sure. you, you have to there's nothing wrong with enjoying you know ww for what it is but also being well aware of its flaws but yeah kairi same kairi same would be one of them moving on to a company that actually doesn't think get enough love is Impact Wrestling. Now, Slammiversary is coming is coming around the uh, the bend the door. It's in a couple of weeks. It's the night before Extreme Rules, I believe. So that's gonna be that's gonna be a weekend and a half. But there is a lot of rumors out there now that they have gone out of their way to hire a bunch of people. It, it, it seems like a lock that Gallows and Anderson have signed a contract. And they've signed a contract with New Japan too. It sounds like they're two separate ones. And as soon as New Japan has obviously allowed people back in the country, they will be there. But on top of that, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll end with the big one. Eric Young seems likely to go back. EC3, he Slater has teased it. Uh, Brian Hawkins, uh, no, sorry, Brian, I can't remember his last name now. Kurt Hawkins basically has also kind of suggested. But there is also, and again, these are all speculation and inklings, the impact reach out to Kurt Angle. Because, of course, Kurt Angle has a storied history with TNA. And that one, to me, I thought was actually quite a big deal. That one made me stop reading. Like, all the rest of them, I was like, oh, yeah, it'd be great if you like Eric Young and EC3 went back in there, you know, completely underused in WWE. And Heath Slater had a good tenure. And I've always liked Kurt Hawkins. Just something about him has always been good. But then Kurt Angle, like, obviously, well, I doubt he would wrestle. No. But, you know, I, who knows with him, though, dude? He's absolutely bonkers. But I think that... Everything Impact has been doing recently is actually quite good television. And if you get some of those goes in, I don't know, man, maybe maybe they could become, you know, right now you kind of look at WWE and AEW. Maybe they could sort of start biting at their heels. Maybe I'm being way too optimistic. I mean, you tell me. I've just got a feeling. I've got a funny feeling. I mean, Impact the last several years has definitely been a, a sleeper promotion in that you don't really hear – the headlines, you know, you don't know about them unless you're going out of your way 
to find them. But if you do find them, you realize that they're putting on some really, really good stuff. So hearing about all these moves, uh, like uh, Gallows and Anderson, uh, EC3, Slater, Young, when I hear the story of them maybe going to Impact, my first thought isn't about Impact. My first thought is about AEW. My first thought is, wow, so AEW let those guys slip away. Because you have all this star power. You have Gallows and Anderson, who were just uh, over like Rover in New Japan. You have EC3, who, oh my goodness, what a program he could have with a guy like MJF. You have Eric Young, who was criminally underrated in his sanity gimmick and never got a chance to shine on the main roster. I think about all the stuff they could have done with those guys in AEW, but no. Impact, they did the coup. Impact, they were the ones able to grab these guys. And looking at a roster that's already stacked with stars, like uh, like Sammy Callahan and Hernandez and The North and just so many top-tier performers, the thought of TNA originals like Eric Young and EC3 going back, uh, the thought of Kurt Angle, who, aside from Sting, is one of those not-TNA originals that is still just marred in a very good way by TNA. All I, See, I keep saying TNA. That's how long I've been watching. <laughs> I did, too, man. I did, too. Like, I think about that, and it's like, I don't think that they're going to become as big as they once were, or at least as big as AEW or WWE, but I do think they could get to a point where... They're big enough to where you don't have to say in the middle of a podcast, hey, do you mind if we talk about Impact Wrestling? It'll be as natural as talking about AEW or NXT. It won't become a niche conversation anymore. It'll be right back in the middle of mainstream wrestling discussion. I think that'd be cool. I'd like that. I agree. Going back to your AEW point, though, do you not think there may have been some reservation by the... uh the powers that be that if they did bring them in, they get so much backlash from people going, Oh, you brought in another, you know, you brought in another flipping, um, you know, ex WWE guy you've done. And Brian cage, you brought him in too. I'm sick of it. I, I think they may have got a little bit of a kicking. So I see that in the abstract, but you have to look at the guys who were released by WWE. You look at gallows and Anderson, they were brought into WWE on the backs of their bullet club run. So really, they're New Japan guys who just had a solid WWE run. You look at EC3, who was already an Impact guy, who just never got a fair shake at all on the main roster. You look at Eric Young the same way. Uh, Kurt Angle, you could say that, but at the same time, he's got such a history with Impact already that I don't think you could say it for very long. So many of the guys who are leaving WWE right now and ostensibly heading over to Impact are not quote-unquote WWE guys. So I don't think AEW picking them up would have had that, oh, look at you, you're hiring WWE guys mentality. I think it would have been, all right, awesome. Now we can see these guys be the stars they are. Maybe. That's just that's my perception. No, dude, I'll take it, man. No, I'll take it. I mean, EC3's had a terrible ride. I'll never Going back to people that Vince McMahon doesn't like, I'll never understand that one. That's a guy that Vince McMahon should have loved. That made me so not- angry. I just don't get it. He must have said the wrong thing to the wrong person. That's the only uh, only thing I can come up with. It's absolutely bonkers. And it's not like if he was bad, I'd understand, but he's not bad. The worst you can say about him is that he's pretty decent. I think he's above that. But you know what I mean? Like if you actually criticize his overall persona, I go, yeah, he's pretty good. I just, you tell me. WWE is a crazy place. AW has MJF right now. And they're doing the EC3 character, but updated and in a different guy. You'd think if they cared 
Well, obviously they care, but you think if they really cared about trying to compete with AEW, they would go, oh yeah, well we have our own MJF, we have the original MJF, you have a, a Barkin brand EC3, watch how EC3 we can make this guy. Like, if he yeah. had the machine behind him, he could be the best version of that character, but they're just not going to let him. No? Well, we'll see. And look, if he goes back to Impact now, especially when I feel like they're on an upward trend, I, I think he'd fit in there oh, know, yeah. awesomely. Uh, we should have talked about this when we talk about NXT and AEW, but it just popped into my mind just now. Of course, as we're doing a show on the on the Friday, we can actually talk about ratings, which I never get to do. <laughs> Absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. I didn't see it coming. I, I always caveat this by saying, as fans, I don't think we have to give two hoots about ratings. Even if one person watches and you're that one person and you're entertained, then it's okay. Because <laughs> that's, that's literally all that matters is from your perspective. But yeah, look, it happened again. AEW uh, won in the 18 to 49 demo, which is the one that advertisers care about. But overall viewers once again went to NXT. And the really interesting stat that came out this morning is that the Omega Hangman versus Best Friends main event of Fighter Fest did um, sort of around 645,000 viewers. And the Sasha Banks versus Io Shirai did 900,000 total viewers. Now again, uh, the it won in the 18 to 49. So, you know, I'm not going to come across that. I It does matter. It's not irrelevant, but it's irrelevant to a certain extent in the sense that NXT is caught up. That's the thing. NXT is making huge increases. Now, as I always said, and I want to say again, I hope NXT does a billion viewers and I hope AEW does a billion viewers and I hope all wrestling does a billion viewers and everyone makes loads of money because I'm not insane and I wouldn't want anyone to ever lose their job like some crazy people on the internet. But... This... I only like AEW. Fuck all the other ones. <laughs> yeah, I hope they all die. But I, look, as somebody that does get invested in this stuff, because, you know, Wednesday Night War, Monday Night War, it does become a subplot of it all. I was genuinely shocked. I was kind of ashamed of myself for being shocked. I was like, why do I care so much? But I was. And again, as that 18 to 49 number does creep up, I think AEW was 22 in the rating and NXT was 29. So again, much closer than it is usually. I'm liking it, man. What I'm hoping is going to happen is that fans come back. That will get some of the casual interest back, and maybe they both sort of get to a million. I'm all right with that. I think it'd be great. Yeah, I think a lot about uh, what either show would be doing if the other wasn't competing with them. You know? Like, people say, oh, there's there's such a small audience for that, you know, that kind of wrestling, the NXT kind of wrestling or the AEW kind of wrestling. So I'll see these ratings where they're both doing – you know, a, a little under a million, give or take, each week. And, you know, people are like, her, her, that's not a lot of people. Like, well, if that's the entirety of the audience for that kind of wrestling, put together, that matches what you're seeing on Raw or SmackDown. So that audience is out there. Like, we're splitting it right now, but it's out there. And hopefully, like you said, as, you know, crowds come back and come back and there's a bigger atmosphere, hopefully more fans come, more casual fans come, and that, that sort of fandom grows. I'm all about that. I hope that happens. Uh... I was also surprised because I told you I watched Fighter Fest live and I watched NXT last night. I loved the tag match and I loved the Io Shirai Sasha Banks match. I got to tell you though, I was I was underwhelmed by the Sasha Shirai match because I thought it could have went, went went a bit longer and I didn't like that Sasha lost. Like I'm so used to seeing Sasha not win big singles matches. So seeing her lose another one was like, ah, uh, okay. I mean, I get that you want to put EO over. You want to make her look, look like a million bucks. I get that. I understand that. But man, there's Sasha again losing. So I walked away thinking it was all right. I walked away from the Fighter Fest tag thinking, oh my goodness, I've been sleeping on best friends. I didn't care for them that much. But after watching this match, this is amazing. This was such a great match. They had me believing 
five or six times that Chucky e. T and Trent could actually be the AEW tag champs. So finding out that they got dwarfed rating wise by Sasha and EO, it definitely surprised me. And like you said, maybe it shouldn't, you know, maybe it shouldn't uh, occur to me too much that one's obviously going to do more numbers than the other. But, uh, Hey, that's, that's what's nice about wrestling. Like you have this perception in your head, you're sure that you know what's going on. And then data shows up and just completely contradicts you. It's like, Oh, mm. I don't know everything. My perspective is not, <laughs> you know, godlike. that's kind of nice to know. Like, <laughs> That is true, man. It goes to show that you can get lost in that social media bubble so easily, like so easily. And I may as well. well you, I know I don't put any massive uh, uh, stock in Dave Meltzer's star ratings. I use them as a form of entertainment, but I do have them in front of me. So as we are talking about Fight Fest and Great American Bash, I'll read them out. Um, I just literally go through it card by card. Opening tag match on Fight Fest. It would you know Jurassic Express, MJF, and Wardlow got four point two five. How they got the extra 0.25, I'll never know, but <laughs> good for them. Hey, Meltzer's Ford a scientist. He is a scientist. He is a doctor. He knows his numbers. <laughs> Ford versus Sheeta got four. Cody versus Hagar got four. Ortiz and Santana versus Private Party, 3.5. And the main event that we just talked about, 3.75. And then NXT, the women's four-way got 2.75. Lorcan versus Thatcher, 3.5. Oh. He did not like Aaliyah and Stone versus Ripley, only giving it one star. Ooh. Same with... Same with Loomis and Strong, 1.5. And interestingly, Banks versus Shirai, 3.75. So that kind of ties into what you were talking about, being slightly disappointed by it, maybe. I think it's a bit harsh there, but he's allowed to be harsh. It's his opinions. I genuinely thought both... I think my actual favorite match from both shows was Penelope Ford versus Sheeda. And I think this sounds awful. I don't mean it to. I'm a bad person. But I think a huge reason for that was my expectations weren't as high for it as probably they should have been. And for them to bust out, yeah, you know, for them to, to, to bust that out, I was just like, oh, man, this was good. I was really invested in this. No, like, honestly, I, that if I hadn't planned on talking to you today, there's a good chance that I would have either skipped the match or been halfway watching while also being on my phone. I told myself, no, you have to actually watch this match and not get distracted so you can talk about it. And I'm so glad I did that, because going in, I had no expectations at all. But the match sucked me in. Like, so many times, Ford had me thinking that she was going to win. All of a sudden, I, I cared about uh, uh, the women's champion. Like, it was such a good match, and I had no expectations of it being a good match. Like, I've... I've not been terribly impressed with AEW's women's division in general, so I guess I walked in with a bad perception. But no, like four stars on that one, absolutely. It was a fantastic match. It was. No, and I mean, I think Sheeta is great, and I think Penelope Ford's only going to... She's only going to keep getting better and better. And it's just, she's got that thing, that's something about her. They're just like, oh, I wonder what I wonder what you're going to do. I don't know. We well, should do this as well. I do plan to get this up on Friday. If I don't, and you've got this far on the podcast, I do apologize. But look, SmackDown's airing in a few hours. We've got to, we got to you know, WWE's put the preview up. We, we may as well try and tie it in. It sounds like, and who knows, but I'll go with the perception here. It sounds like all the issues with the, uh, the testing have calmed down, or at least wwe has found a way to make it seem that way but we uh we're getting aj styles versus drew gulak for the ic championship which we were meant to get last week also getting the celebration between sheamus and jeff hardy that we were meant to get last week they're going to do an interview with michael cole and matt riddle and i'm presuming that somebody is going to interrupt that to start the feud the rumor was that it's meant to be baron corbin but baron corbin decided that matt riddle needs to win five enhancement matches to get to him as if he's, <laughs> as if he's playing mortal Combat. 
<laughs> I have no idea where that came from. That was just a bizarre thing to read. And who knows if it's true? But that's just, I mean, when has WWE ever done anything like that? The answer is never. I don't mind them doing Matt Riddle versus Baron Corbin as long as Matt Riddle wins. That's it. That's all I, that's all I need. I mean, Baron Corbin does then slightly become the gatekeeper like Dolph Ziggler used to. But that's okay. If you feel like you need to establish him with the new SmackDown audience by having him beat someone established like, uh, yeah, like Baron Corbin, that's fine. But still, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's not one that I think is going to excite too many people. You mentioned uh, you have to beat five enhancement guys before it's me, like it's Mortal Kombat. I imagine King Corbin sitting in a corner, wearing his crown, clutching a Goro action figure. Like, no, go back to NXT, you can't fight me. Uh, I mean, like you said, I don't have an issue with a Corbin and Riddle feud, so long as it is a vehicle to get Matt Riddle over. Because we were talking earlier about uh, patterns with NXT guys when they come up to the main roster and they'll have feuds with uh, gateholder guys like Corbin or Ziggler or whoever. And it'll be back and forth, you know, they'll win some and then they'll win some and it'll blow off in some kind of a way with no, not much fanfare. And then it's done. If it's one of those, then I don't really care. Like, I don't want to watch another uh, Baron Corbin, Shorty G type feud, but with Matt Riddle. Like that is not the space I want to see Matt Riddle in. I want to see Matt Riddle get in the ring with King Corbin and just just beat the shit out of him. I'll be okay with that. Like that'll that'll make me like King Corbin a bit more, just as a good heel character. But if they <laughs> but if they make this a long drawn out thing where it's like, haha, look at him, he's got no shoes. I'm gonna step on his feet. He's got no shoes. Like. No, I don't want to watch that. Don't do it. Uh, dude, they're they're 100% going to do that. Just so you, <laughs> just so you know, it's it's the, the, McMahon will be obsessed with the fact that Matt Riddle doesn't wear shoes. God damn it, pal. Look yeah. at his face. Look at his I face. Oh. I, I guarantee it. I never talk about SmackDown on this show just because of, you know, when it falls at the weekends, it's hard. What did you think about Sheamus um, having piss thrown in his face? I, I, haven't, I haven't been able to ask that question to anybody. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I saw that and... Look, we're not dumb. We know that wrestling's a work, and we're pretty sure, I hope, that he didn't actually throw piss at him. <laughs> well, I'm going to guess no. I hope I not. Mean, I can't handle no, that. We're not there, for all we know. But even if we know it's, it's you know, it's make-believe, there's just something weird and uncomfortable about, aha, I just threw piss at you. Like, that's not, aha, he got him. That's more like, uh, why did you do that? That's just yeah. gross. Nah. No, I, I, I mean, again, I always say it. If Jeff Hardy's cool with it, that's fine. It's his life. But sure. it just it just makes me uncomfortable it's as a fan. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. Like, Apparently, it's... So go on, man. That's the thing. Like, if, if Jeff had had his last... Uh, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it, relapse, was maybe Victory Row 2011. And he had all that distance between that dark period of his life and now. Then maybe I'd be a little more okay with it. Because yeah, the, I agree with that. Then yeah. you know that the guy who's doing the angle is somebody who has a good amount of perspective on where he's been and where he's going. But that's not the case here. With Jeff Hardy, we have somebody who, I think it was last year? It was last year, right? When he had... yeah. 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 Like that is way too soon. That that even if Jeff Hardy's comfortable, I'm gonna say even if Jeff Hardy's comfortable with it, I'm glad he is. But people that are working with him should know better than to put him in a position to be okay with it. Like that's just too close, and it's uncomfortable. Like we've seen Jeff go longer sober than he has been between then and now, and still relapse. Like 
that's just not it's not comfortable i don't like it and i wish they wouldn't do it yep i'm, I'm, I'm pretty much with you interesting as well this just came up on my on my google alert thing on my homepage. somebody i won't say their name i mean they won't mind that i said their name but i won't just in case apparently has gotten a tidbit through from someone backstage at smackdown who said the tapings for tonight and next week are the worst i've ever seen it <laughs> <laughs> and it's crazy backstage so i would like to retract my statement that I said all of five minutes ago when, <laughs> when I said that I think the WWE may have a handle on everything. Clearly, they do not. And I suppose we'll watch this space that we've got like uh, eight weeks to SummerSlam, something like that, six, seven, eight weeks to SummerSlam. We will have to see if they're able. They're trying to get a lot in the can. I will sure. just tell you that. And whether they're able to do that. I mean, as we wrap up, man, what did you think about all that when the, the, the testing nonsense came out? I was I was shocked. I was genuinely shocked. And then for them to try and double down and go, uh, we put the health and safety of our performers first. I mean, you don't because I've just seen you not doing it. So honestly, the the promo that Taz cut in the ring oh, yeah. on Wednesday, <laughs> obviously it's it's designed to be a, a heel promo to get, you know, heat on mocks. I get that. But man, he he really hit the nail on the head. All he had to say was that one line about us not running a sloppy ship. You look at the two companies. Where are these stories breaking and where are they not? Like, it'd be one thing if there was only one company and that one company was having all these COVID testing stories. But it's when you have in real time something to compare them to, then it becomes easier to say, no, we can see where you went wrong because we have these guys over here doing it right. So yep. we had this billion-dollar corporation – that these stories keep slipping, like uh, Kevin Dunn says, don't wear a mask, or uh, we're not tested, it's just temperature. And then you look at AEW, and you're not hearing anything at all. They canceled their world title main event just so they could ensure the safety of their performers. Like, that speaks volumes. I still want to see Mox and Cage, and I'm sad that I'm not going to see it. But they went out of their way to remove that from us so they could keep everybody safe. And that speaks volumes. And it's that lack of care for performers and for audience members that's causing wwe to keep having these stories break and they're going to keep having them break so long as they care more about getting their version of their product out than they do about being serious about the safety of their people mm. yeah well i just think vincent man doesn't see it as a big deal hey that's that's his prerogative as i said at the start i think it's nuts but it's his company. yeah it can, it's more it than a do. little nuts uh, dude, one final question for you. I put you on the spot. Who wins? Brian Cage, John Moxley, AEW title. Uh, Mox. Mox. Yeah, you think sure. it's night and day? I think it's Do night not- and day because here's the thing. Mox, let's be real. Cody Rhodes is the world champion. Let's just be honest. Like As far as how they're positioning both and branding That's both, fair. marketing That's both, fair. Cody Rhodes is the top guy. Mox's championship right now, it reminds me a lot of Punk's 2008 title reign. Where it's like, you know what? It's a great shout. That's a great shout. Yeah. Like, he's the top guy, sure, but he's not the most important thing on the show, and he's not being presented as the most important thing on the show, which is why you have this litany of challengers like Brody Lee or Brian Cage. It's Don't get me wrong. It's going to be a great match. I'm going to love it. I'm going to love every minute of it. But do I think for a second they are building towards uh, a title change where all of a sudden the machine Brian Cage is the top guy? No, I don't. And I think until they drop this preposterous notion of, oh, Cody Rhodes can't challenge for the world title, I don't think any AEW champion is going to feel like a top guy 
until they let Cody have it because they're not going to stop pushing Cody as their top guy. So no, I don't think Mox is going to lose. There you go. Boom. You heard it here first. We will see. We'll see what goes <laughs> down in three weeks, two weeks, whenever the hell it's going on now. Who, who, who the hell knows? Uh, John, man, thanks so much for joining me. That was a really, really good chat. And I'm going to hope that no one is devastated that we spoiled things for you. I gave you plenty of time Sorry, to, guys. Uh, to tune out. Yeah, we told them. How can we not? If we're doing a podcast today, I said to John beforehand, if he hadn't have heard, we would have talked about anything else. But it, it's, it's mad. It's mad. It could be the day. Or it could have been. Maybe it still will be. Maybe it will work in their favor. But it could be the show that actually beats AEW in both the demos and the audience. It really could. And to think that we approach it this way, well, that's wrestling for you, baby. <laughs> that's wrestling for you, right? That's what matters, as long as you have fun. But John, thank you so much, man. I really enjoyed it. It was a really good chat. All right, Simon, thank you so much for having me. I would love to come on anytime you'd like me. Dude, I'm happy to have you back. And again, if you want to come on the podcast, you can. Patreon.com forward slash Simon Miller 316. Uh, check it out see there's other stuff on there as well should you so want it and then you can find me on youtube such as simon miller you can catch live podcasts at twitch.tv forward to simon 316 i'm on instagram and twitter at simon miller 316 brand new merchandise soon going up at simonmiller.bigcartel.com and make sure you subscribe to the podcast and then you know when new episodes are going live but otherwise have a good weekend and i'll talk to you all again soon <laughs>